I'm wrestling, you're not weak for me. Celebrate what I am. Celebrate what I have been. Celebrate what I represent. And celebrate the many ways I have impacted your life. I will survive this test as I have survived others. I am forever etched into the very fiber of all mankind. The world needs me. Time is on my side. History guarantees me. I am wrestling. Do not wait for me. What's up, everybody? This is Ben Askren, and you are listening to the T-Row and Funky Show, episode number 34. Brought to you, as always, by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built. Tommy, I, I know you're at a wrestling camp right now, and then we're going to talk about that a little later. Where are you at right now? I am at the Ohio State Father-Son Wrestling Camp. My six-year-old boy and I are sitting in the dorms here, so I'm, uh, I'm reporting uh, on-site and topics related to, uh, you know, wrestling so it's kind of exciting that that's cute i was actually thinking about uh you know father-son camps usually it's obviously dads who probably don't have a lot of experience wrestling but i was, I was teaching the father-son camp which we have a lot of camps up here we don't do a father-son camp but if i was teaching one and you were a guy in it i think i think that'd be a little intimidating because obviously you have a wealth of knowledge and uh you might just step in and say hey whoa 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 i don't think that's how it's done <laughs> It's funny because, um, you know, Jaggers was the clinician last night and Ross Thatcher was this morning. I think Tom Ryan's later today. but I, I, I And I think you know this about me, Ben, but I came here for every reason that has nothing to do with the technical instruction. So, sure, I mean, I think, sure, sure. I think you know, as you as you know, we, we both love wrestling. I, I want my kids, my sons, to be exposed to the sport, and I think this is just a great way to spend some quality time. I got too many kids. I got four kids at home, so to spend a weekend in a dorm room with my son <laughs> and uh and nobody else is, is a good quality time so that's really the reason but yeah it's, you're surrounded by the sport which is great and you get to be exposed to the sport and kind of have a wrestling weekend so having we're having fun with a bunch of other dads and little kids and uh we'll probably talk about it later but i know does, we got some wait, stuff one last stuff. question does it make you miss sleeping in the dorms as a freshman at all not even a little bit <laughs> i slept in a twin <laughs> i slept in a twin bed last night i heard uh, oh, house man. parties outside my window, like I was in college again, and yeah, okay. I can't wait to go home in that regard. Ah, that's funny. That's funny. They actually tore down the dorm that I, I, I was a freshman in, so I don't ever get to see it anymore. Um, really? Yeah, you know, Mizzou is—they uh, made some significant upgrades since my time there, and one of those upgrades included tearing down the dorm I stayed in. So, no nostalgia for me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we want to hit, we want to finish up recruiting, which we did that the last two episodes. That was fun. I know we've both got a lot of positive feedback from people about that. Um, so that that's fantastic. But one of the things we want to finish up is talking about just some recruiting trip stories, and um, that's kind of the fun part, probably the part I was most looking forward to. But before we hit that, because this is current news, and I don't think you and I have ever really talked about it in depth. These these idiot fighters getting busted by USADA. John Jones blew up UFC's 200. Now Brock Lesnar got busted. Obviously, there's been a whole slew of other fighters getting busted. What do you think about this? Because you, you have been tested by USADA. I think it's a joke. I was tested by USADA for the better part of eight years. You know, if I were a betting man, I would say I've been tested at least, at least over 150 times by USADA at my house, in events at my training facilities, you know, you name it, any other which way, anybody that's been tested by USADA for that long of a time, you're, you're fully familiar with the system. Um, and I did this without an agent, without professional trainers and things like that. I mean, I'm just some guy filling out my, you know, quarterly whereabouts filings and things like that to make sure they know where I am and all that type of stuff. And, and it wasn't hard to pass 150 drug tests. Sure. It, it wasn't hard at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, I mean, you know, so, it's not yeah, hard to I mean, pass I them because you're not using also. Right, right, I right. Mean, that makes, it, not that hard. makes it easier. Right. So you think, let me ask you this question. If, do you think if you're Dana White now, and now, well, now it's not the, he is now the brand new owners of the organization. Who's WME-IMG. WME-IMG. 
Do you think you're having a panic attack right now? I mean, John Jones, legitimately one of the biggest stars in the sport. Brock Lesnar, you know, who's kind of not even really an athlete, but now is, and is obviously a huge draw. Um, Chad Mendez got popped. Yoel Romero got popped. So, so there have been a lot of people testing positive lately. I wish, I mean, maybe, maybe I can Google it and bring up the list. Um, are you having a panic attack right now? Is that what you're doing if you're the owner of the organization? Well, I would say probably not in the business sense. I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think there is any correlation between lost revenue in baseball when they had, you know, the steroid area and, and they tried to clean the sport up and still are. I just don't see the connection between um, these guys testing positive and lost revenue. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, gut- I think I want to say, and I, I obviously I study the business of mixed martial arts a little bit um, because it is something I'm part of. And I want to tell you that, I mean, 2015 is a perfect example. 2014 was a bad year. Um, MMA and, and UFC is star-driven. So they had a great 2015 because Ronda did huge numbers and Conor did huge numbers. And that, that right. was a huge change in 2014. So, um, you know, I don't. Brock Lesnar obviously is a pay-per-view draw. John Jones is arguably a pay-per-view draw. But if you start taking away some of these, these names, um, I don't know. I feel like it makes it harder for organizations. So, so I guess uh, I do think it might have a – I understand what you're saying about baseball. I get that for sure. But I think it might have a little more of an effect. Well, I mean, I, I guess that, that's my immediate instinct is that uh, there won't be much lost revenue. But lost, the difference, there's a difference between – Losing business and not being able to grow your business because of if there's a black cloud over the sport, you're not going to be in too good of a bargaining or a negotiating position with Fox News. You're not going to be um, in a unique position to strategically partner with corporate sponsors. You're not going to be, you know, there's so many other levels of of severity to the black cloud that seems to be looming over the UFC with performance anti-drugs that I think it is limiting. It's definitely not good. Um, yeah. I just don't know if you're going to lose pay-per-view buys. Yeah. If that so, makes any sense. No, it does for sure. So I, I, you know, I think that the UFC brought in USADA to test him because it definitely adds legitimacy and what was saw, you know, seen as a, a dirty sport, mixed martial arts, because there, there are a lot of people who use, obviously, now they're all failing tests because they're not just doing post-fight tests. But, you know, I think the UFC brought USADA in to add legitimacy and to make it seem more mainstream. And I think the UFC was banking on fighters saying, hey, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to risk losing two years of my career by failing this test. I'm going to get off everything that I'm using. But now what we're seeing well, is that's just not the case. They're still using. They're still. They well, think I they can think, beat the test. Do you think they'll continue to do that, or do you think that the fighters that know. are using, the, do you think that the fighters that are using are starting to realize, man, this USADA is a reputable outfit, and they catch everything that you shouldn't be doing. So I've got to get off my stuff. Yeah, you would think, and that, I mean, that's what. Uh, I mean, listen, okay. If I'm say if I'm in the UFC and I'm using. PEDs, right? And USADA comes in. The first thing I'm going to do as a reasonable person is I'm going to probably call some of my wrestling buddies who have been tested by USADA and say, how thorough are they? Can I get away with this? You know? Right. And someone like you is going to say, no, how? It's random testing. They can show up any, they can show up literally any time, as many times as they want. That They can do yeah, that. The other, the other thing, so, Ben, is like you have to, you, once a year you have to take a multiple choice test on USADA and pass it to be an eligible athlete within their program so that you are basically verifying and validating to USADA that you know what the rules are. You know how you can get tested. I believe that is an open book test, right? It's open book, but it's still still a process. I mean, I'm not saying it's still a process. It's still a a regimented, uh, you know, verified example of having to know what you need to do to pass the test. And you know that two or three missed tests equals a positive test. Yep. You know yep. that you know that there are um, you know that there are banned substances um, that you can use if you fill out a therapeutic use exemption yep. form 
aka a TUE form, mm-hmm. ahead of time, they can grant you permission to use perhaps an amphetamine to overcome an illness or an anti-inflammatory that has banned substances into, in it. You know, so when you become tested by USADA long enough and hard enough, you start to realize, in my opinion, they're, they're extremely fair, that they um, are very communicative with how you can go about doing things that perhaps walk the line but also are uh, therapeutic reasons to help you heal or get better. And I just think they're a completely reputable organization. When someone tests positive with USADA, I mean, I would say that there's a one in a thousand chance that, that USADA's wrong. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe even higher. And when, if it comes out that Jones or Lesnar were taking substances that could pass for medicinal purposes, and well, they, Joe, say, they already I, came out with the substance Jones was using. Jones was, Jones estrogen. was using estrogen blockers, which I guess in, in in my limited understanding of this world is that that helps restart testosterone production um, after they use a steroid, a cycle of steroids. Okay. So that that's what I got from it. I don't know. So so and he's guilty. I mean that's uh, that's kind of a fact, right? Yeah. I mean it's just I, I, there's so many things that there's so many things that um, all of the valid but far-fetched reasons why you could test positive for USADA. USADA has an outlet for you to communicate with them so that it doesn't equal a positive test. So basically anything you get hit for USADA, you should have known better. And these guys are professional athletes. In the case of John Jones and Brock Lesnar, they're millionaires. They have agents. They have trainers. Their inner circle of people should know what's being ingested in their body. They should know Hey, Barack, if you're taking 16 different um, supplements, why don't we uh, hire a trainer for $3,000 to read all of the bottles and make sure sure that you're okay? And so I think it should be on paper less likely for these guys to get hit than uh, an amateur Olympic hopeful who makes $25,000 a year and doesn't have the resources to insulate these types of things from occurring. So to me, it's just plain as day ridiculous. Ridiculous. So I listen. I'm gonna tell you what I asked you. What I, you would do if you were? Uh, hey, by the way, Ben, what? I am gonna munch on some Cheetos throughout this episode. <laughs> the reason I'm gonna do it, the reason I'm gonna do it, is because we're in episode 34. I've never had something to eat on an episode. Never. I think you have like, yeah, and I think you have seven or eight times. So I'm just, I'm just well, taking a, you know, a little <laughs> bit of a pass. There's no way you counted that many times. Okay. Well, <laughs> while you munch on some Cheetos, I'll tell you what I would do if I if I owned the UFC right now, if I was Dana White. All right. Um. And then, then we'll get back on to some wrestling topics. Listen, Tommy, I, I'm calling all hands on deck, mandatory meeting. Everyone's getting to Vegas, getting their butt to Vegas, uh, you know, ASAP, right? Right. Because we just lost Brock for two years, and we lost John Jones for two years, and it, this is this this shit's got to stop somewhere. So I'm calling all hands on deck meeting, and I'm going to say, listen, you idiots, this is USADA. They're not messing around. Don't you guys get it? You're not going to pass their test. Do you really want to miss two years of your career? Are you really willing to risk that? And then, right. you know, and hopefully, for the ones that are halfway intelligent, that that gets through to them because two years is a long time and a lot of misrevenue. You know, some some guys are fighting um, six times in that time period. You know, even guys who are kind of slower are probably fighting four times. When you're a fighter who relies on only getting a paycheck for fighting and you miss six fights, six paychecks, that's a big freaking deal. I, I, I got a question for you, Ben. Sure. Not a question, kind of a question and a statement. I think it's, um, even though UFC's got some things they got to work on to clean up the sport, I think it's pretty genuine that they want the sport cleaned up when they hire the biggest, baddest, testing beast in the world which is USADA because they could have done a lot of other measures that would allow them to control or collude the process so that these things don't happen to their sport but when you hire USADA I mean don't you think it's a genuine statement that says uh, we do in fact want to clean this up Uh, no that's exactly what it says that's that's a hundred percent. Like yeah, I think I said they wanted to be viewed as a more legitimate organization. I think a lot of pe- people viewed UFC as dirty. 
Um, I mean, but but you, prior to prior to they... USADA, they did cover up tests. I mean, there was a test that um, Vitor Bel- Belfort failed right prior to his John Jones fight when they uh, when they bumped Belfort up to face Jones. He failed the test. It was like failed bad on on testosterone ratio or whatever the hell it was. I mean, it was really question question for you. What if you were if you were a betting man? And when did they institute USADA? Was it a year ago? Uh, oh, hold on. I'm, get, I'm getting the answer right here. Reddit. I got a Reddit of all UFC fighters um, banned by USADA. Wow. It's uh, it's about 20 of them. Okay, all the Meldoniums I allegedly are under debate right now. So there's three of those. Then you got Brock Lesnar. John Jones is up to four years. Oh, because it's his second offense. Good God. Um, that, you know, obviously hasn't been settled yet. Ricardo Abreu, Chad Mendez, Leoto Machida, Frank Mir. I mean, these are big names, right? Andrade, Oliveira, Gleason Tebow, Mirko Kovac, How long have they been doing USADA? Um, it looks like about nine months is from, from what I'm seeing here. That is so much in nine months. So much. I mean, that's, that's a, like saying, that's like saying this. Yeah, um, you got Kyle Snyder, Frank Molinero. <laughs> Could you imagine? Kellen, Kellen Russell, Andrew Howe, Dom Bradley, uh, Kyle Dake. I mean, that's literally what those names are like. I know. Could you imagine that? I was thinking, Tommy, in the last 10 years, because actually I talked about, we talked about this on my MMA podcast that I have. You know, Joe Warren was talking about his issue because he got the, you know, the marijuana thing he got flagged for, um, which he was only supposed to be out of competition and blah, blah, blah. But besides Joe... I could only think of one person who'd been busted by USADA in wrestling in the last 10 years. And that was Obi Blanc. And if, if I remember right, and I don't 100% remember, I think it was like a clerical issue. Right? Yeah. So, um, something like that. It yeah. was something like that. It wasn't like he was using testosterone replacement. Or, Which know. guy are you talking about? Obi Blanc was, I think, the only one that I can remember. And I, like I said, so, but yeah, I can't think of not, any other wrestler. I don't think... I don't think... No, a clerical... I don't think he filled out a therapeutic... That's what it was, form. I believe, yes. For, I believe, an amphetamine. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I think the same thing happened to Mike Zadok. Um, Okay, I don't remember that. That might have been a long time ago. But here's the thing: this is over the past ten years of fifty to sixty athletes that are tested per year. No, not even over a hundred American wrestlers are probably tested by USADA every year. Over the past ten years, I mean, we got like two examples and they're not like melodonium (laughs) or you know what I mean? It's like, for sure. So anyways, you know, there's clearly an issue here. My question though, is that if they've only been doing this for nine months, give or take, and they just sold their property for billions of dollars. Do you think that Lorenzo and Dana and maybe some trusted advisors said, Hey, if we really want to get this sold, and we wanted to make it a promotable asset that can grow long term. We've got to institute something so we can get it sold. Do you yeah. think that that's part no, of, that, was part I, of I it? Maybe? That, that was one hundred percent of it. I think mean, that was one hundred percent of it. I, I mean, I know I heard from people on the inside that there was a lot of mainstream mainstream sponsors who who were scared to put their name on it because they viewed it as a dirty sport. And that was, I heard that for sure. Let's this see. stuff is wild, man. Contamination. This stuff is wild. I'm trying to read about Obi Blanc. Doesn't say what he failed for, but um, anyways, okay. So let's move on to wrestling because that, that is it is it's an interesting topic to talk about, especially because you and I were both tested by USADA, so we both understand that program and what it's all about. And um, man, these fighters they just can't figure it, they got to figure it out sometime. They can't be this stupid. Yeah. it's so, really not hard. Just here's here's what it is. It's not hard. Just eat food. <laughs> There you go. Eat food and drink water, man, it's, and you'll be fine. Trust that, me. It's that freaking simple. <laughs> well, uh, what do you think? Hey, we should start a consulting firm for these UFC guys. They call about it. Like, hundred bucks an hour. The, eat food, drink here's water. The, here's the speech, guys. Eat food and drink water. I like it. I like it. You know what? I don't. I mean, people ask me, Tommy. I don't really even take like a protein supplement anymore. Um, Throughout my career, on and off, I, I, I tried different supplements and suggestions of coaches. And I tell you, I could never feel a noticeable difference. Um, Same here. Same I here. Really In fact, couldn't. 
I did creatine when I was in high school. Okay. And um, I think that that probably helped me, but it's hard to even say because I was also in, you know, in the middle of, in the, the middle of puberty and, yeah. you, you know, you're growing and getting stronger anyway. With, with, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like a built-in creatine, you know, or built-in performance. Puberty, puberty is a performance-enhancing drug, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's, Tommy, that's going to be a slogan on a Ruta t-shirt. Uh, puberty, puberty is a puberty PED. Is a PED. <laughs> it really is, though. <laughs> that's great. Puberty is a PED. Um, I'm so tweeting, anyways, I'm tweeting I, that right now. I can't even really, I can't even really speak to creatine because I was taking it while I was in puberty. But I do remember getting stronger, faster, um, sure. in a quick period of time. I was lifting hard and growing fast. But yeah, I, I did all the protein shakes and the this and the that, the amino acids and blah 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 blah. I can't even keep track of it all. Everything that I've tried, and in fact, then yes, I did not notice a uh, a difference for me. In fact, sometimes I felt a little bit sluggish and not myself when I was taking, trying to take protein and institute it in my diet and training regimen. Sure, yeah. I do like protein shakes, though. I do like. I think I feel like that because they make you perform better. Um, (laughs) not perform better, recover better. I think that you know, I when I get through a hard, hard when I used to get through a hard, hard training session. I almost felt, you know, anemic and like just like like really like frail. Really? And when you, yeah, just just didn't feel right. When you pounded when when you pounded protein shake within twenty minutes after being done, it kind of felt like you got restored a little bit. Yeah, and, I, you uh, know, I will say for, for on that on that end, um, being able to put something with some girth back in your stomach after a workout like you're talking about. Because sometimes, I mean, I know I feel like this. It's just hard to eat real food after you work out that hard. You just don't feel like it, you know. It takes a while to get your appetite back. At least that's how I always felt. We got a sound. We got to send this uh, sound bite that we've got past three minutes to some supplement company get it to sponsor us. I, I think they would uh, withdraw. <laughs> imme- withdraw immediately. Exactly. Well, you did say you like Wait. protein, but anyways, okay. Well, let's let's get on the next topic. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna talk about. And Tommy, when I got this, this suggestion on Twitter many, many weeks ago, uh, I was excited because, man, I have so many funny stories, and I like telling funny stories. So we're going to tell stories of the good, the bad, and the ugly from the recruiting, recruiting world. Um, I, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm planning on telling some of my recruiting tip stories. Um, you know, I hope, I think you're planning to share some also. And then also just some stupid things that we saw happen when, when we were hosting recruits um, as college kids. Right, right. So you want to lead it off or you want me to lead it off? You lead it off, man. I can okay. tell you you're going to run I'm with excited. it because of, your, because of what you say. I'll think of things and I'll build on Okay. Um, so the, I'm just going to start out with the one that means the most, and that's because I went to the University of Missouri. So my first trip down there, I think I went in August, early September, somewhere of, of my senior year. And I remember, you know, we went out to eat with the coach, Coach Smith, and then uh, my mom went back to the hotel, and I, I got to take my parents' minivan over to the wrestlers' houses, which was Mark Bader and a guy named Justin Spates, whose brother now, Jeremy's the head coach at SAUE. But so we went out doing our thing, and I remember Bader told me to, and Bader, who's now one of my best friends, probably you know lucky we got matched up on the recruiting trip because we got along so well, um, mm-hmm. told me to turn down this dirt road because it was fast. It was the fastest way to his house, right? And it was, right. it, was un, it was it was actually a road under construction. It wasn't legitimately a road, but it had rained the night before. So my uh, my mom's minivan literally was covered in mud from the wheels to the top <laughs> of the damn thing. And we got home and and I remember that. And Coach Smith told you know I think he probably still tells this story, but he says you know he went and picked my mom up at the hotel or whatever, and they came over to get us to go to lunch the next day. And he said he saw it and he almost had a heart attack. Because he thought when my mom saw that minivan, there was no way in hell I was going to the University of Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just did so work out that I did go to the University of Missouri. So, um, but that that started my recruiting trip off right. That was that was a lot of fun. I had a great time with those guys. Um, and uh, yeah, the, so the, that that really led it off, and that that made it hard for everyone else to match that because I just had a I had a great vibe with the athletes and. Uh, I got got along with the coaches, so for me that was a that was a real good trip to start it off. Yeah, that's um, 
it's funny to hear, you know, when you're, when you're 18 years old, you know, it's just interesting how impressionable oh, yeah. you, you can be and the things you can get into. And then the, the coach has to worry about, you know, you have to watch the temperament of, of the parents and, you know, he doesn't know that you're, you know, if, if, if your mom raised you, Ben, now that the public does know you, Brian Smith does know you, probably, <laughs> he probably had nothing to be concerned about with, you know, yeah. having a car get trashed with mud, you know what I mean? No big deal. It's a funny story, right? So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so I had a good time there. And then uh, I went to the University of Michigan, which you went on a visit there as well, right? Sure did. Okay. Darn near went there. Darn near went there. And I will tell you, the one thing I, I, they, I got to go on the floor, I got to go on the, um, the floor, not the floor, what the hell is it called? The field. Thank you. The field at the, at the Michigan football game, which is fantastic. And I got to wrestle with uh, Otto Olson one day and, and Andy Rovat the next day, and that was so much fun because obviously Andy later became a, a Olympic teammate in 2008, which is what seven seven years down the road or whatever. Um, but my funny story there, Tommy, was yeah, I don't drink, so let's just let's just canvas all these stories. With, I don't drink. I've never drank. I still don't drink. So all these stories were done in complete sobriety. And I just on I your, just, at least with you. <laughs> correct. Okay, that, that's true. <laughs> at least with me, I just enjoy having a good time. So at Michigan, right. they took me to some some frat party, and uh, we were having a good time. And then was Otto the DJ. I, he, act, you know what? Now that you say that, he actually might have been because I know he had that business right in college. He was, yeah, he, he was a DJ. Yeah. He was he was DJing at a party that I had on my visit to Michigan. Well, you see, so you're probably right. You're probably right that he probably was a DJ, and that was probably how we ended up there. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember they played. Uh, it was it was the night before a big football game. It was definitely wasn't Ohio State. I can't remember who it was at this point. Maybe Michigan State or something to that effect. Um, and there was a, a mud pit football game going on in the backyard. And I wow. remember thinking, like, all right, I'm game. <laughs> and I, I went down there with a bunch of strangers and started scrapping in the mud pit. And <laughs> on your recruiting trip? On my recruiting trip. So, so and I, I was the only recruit that went. So, uh, so after. So, by the way, by the way, I mean, this is, this is completely sober. Sober, totally sober. I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up going back in the frat house looking for a shower. And there's like a, like a group shower because it's a frat house kind of, right? And, uh, right. Then there was a lot, a lot of hot females showering. Unfortunately, they had their clothes on. They were, the clothes were on. That's unfortunate. Um, but then after I got done, after I got a little more cleaned up, I realized that everybody had left me, Tommy, even my hosts. <laughs> and it was raining, so I ended up walking back like two miles to my hotel. But you know, How does this happen to you when you're sober? <laughs> I, I don't know. It was like, hey, there's some people playing a mud pit football game. That looks like a good time. I probably said, you know who is? Let's see. It was... Uh, Nate Moore, who ended up going to Purdue, and a kid named Aaron Keough, I think, were my recruiters. So I probably said, guys, let's go. And they were probably like, no. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> F it. I'm going to do it That's myself. Great. So, yeah. So that, that was a good I got, a, I got a good story. I, might, um, I took four official visits. I went to Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And on my visit to Oklahoma, well, there's two things that stick out on my visit to Oklahoma. The first one is not funny, but it's just pretty cool. <laughs> and I think other programs do this, but I had never, I was so impressionable. Um, Jack Spates picked me and my dad up at the airport and drove us to the hotel. And I, ch- I got my room key and Spates is taking us up to the room so that we can unpack our stuff and probably begin the visit. And when I opened my room, the entire varsity lineup was in my room. What? And they all, yeah, they all walked up and said, Hey, um, Michael Leitner, I'm Rodney Jones, I'm Robbie Waller, wow. you know, all these guys. And it's like, man, as a 17-year-old kid, you walk into your hotel room and the whole varsity lineup sit in their hotel and they walk up and shake your hand and introduce your, themselves. It's like that is is such a cool recruiting tactic that... That's got to be a recruiting my, violation. Is that a violation? Well, it was in 1998, then. So if it is now, let's not go fire, reverse fire, Jack Spade. Under under what rule you think is that a violation? I don't know, but there's got to. I got no idea. Either way, that's a cool story. It's a cool tactic. Yeah, it was a a tactic that that I since um, implemented when I was 
at least when I was recruiting at Ohio State, we didn't do the whole varsity lineup, but I would get yeah. three or four studs to um, – we would check the guy in his room. We'd get three or four studs to hang out in the room. The kid would walk in. He'd drop his bag and he'd say, hey, I'm, you know, Jay Jaggers. I'm Mike Basillo. I'm J.D. Bergman. Thank you for coming to visit us. Looking forward to spending the weekend with you. Oh, and it was just that's a nice pretty cool. But you, it is, but now with the cell phones and the Twitters and stuff like that, the – you know, the, the the best guys on the college team are still indirectly communicating with these guys, whether you yeah. want to admit it or not. And in 1998, you know, not to date me, but there was no cell phones, really. Yeah, there wasn't. There was, the, the Internet was not mainstream, so it's like... I don't you know, know. I would still say there's something about a face-to-face meeting that, you know, that means yeah, something. Yeah, it, no, it's very, it's, very, it's very impressionable. But, like, even at that, at that time, it was even more impressionable. Yeah. Like Michael Leitner... Michael Leitner was a guy I read about in amateur wrestling. He's not a guy that I, I followed on Twitter or he text messaged me because Jack Spade said we like this guy. You know what I mean? It was just some guy I never even he was he was mythical almost. And yeah, he's in my hotel room shaking sure. his hand. Shaking my hand. So that was cool. And then the funny the funny one, it's it's kind of innocent but really, really funny is Jack Spade's had a barbecue at his house on my visit mm-hmm. and there was a volleyball court set up in the back. And they wanted me to play, so I played, and it was all the you know the better guys on the team playing in a volleyball game. And Leitner was on the other team, and he had sunglasses on with his shirt off. I remember the picture clear day. So he's got shirt, you know, pair of shorts on with sandals, t-shirts off, sunglasses on. He's looking all cool, and uh, he had his head turned. And they told me to serve, and I served then, and it must have been a sky. I mean, it was like the greatest volleyball serve I've ever had. It was like hundred. <laughs> It was going 100 miles an hour, and it hit Leitner, smack in the face, <laughs> crushed, crushed his $5 sunglasses. You know, the whole team was laughing at him because yeah, they thought yeah. it, was, it was a great, wonderful event. And um, and I was like, oh, my God, I just smashed Michael Leitner in the face with a volleyball. Wow. And uh, anyways, I didn't end up going to Oklahoma, that's but that funny. was a really fun visit. No, that that's a good story. Hey, you know, one yeah. more thing, and I'll, I'll add you're, you're a ba- little bit of a baseball fan at least, right? Yeah, yeah, enough. Okay. One thing I remember, it's so weird how you remember certain things, right? And I remember right. saying, oh my God, this is going to be, like, memorable. But I wasn't even watching this baseball game. I was, I was, I think I remember I was with Foley Dowd and Mike Kulzicki, I believe. And we were just walking down the street, Right. And I, I believe it was through a window. I, I don't. I, I'm not exactly recalling the scene. I'm recalling what happened. But it was that play versus. Uh, I think it was the New York Yankees versus the Oakland Athletics, where Derek Jeter, that throw from the outfield, came in and he cut it off and pitched it to the catcher, and they tagged the guy out, and it like saved the game. I remember that play. Do you remember I that play? Exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's one remember, of the greatest defensive plays ever. Yeah, and I remember stopping and saying, "Holy crap! Did that just happen?" Like, right. wow. And is that bizarre how you remember small things like that? It is. It's amazing. So you remember where you were, who you were with. You probably remember the part of the street you were on. Yeah, I was on uh, the street, and there was a field, and it was really close to the stadium. And, yeah, I remember where I was at. I don't, I don't know the name of the street. I haven't been back to Ann Arbor since uh, right. 2001, I don't believe. So, um, yeah, that was that was interesting. So, uh, but you know what the feel I got about Michigan was? And, I, you know, I don't know that everyone's getting this vibe right now. The vibe I got about Michigan, and you tell me if you got the same one, they were kind of, uh, you know, the whole athletic department were kind of uppity and kind of like, well, we've done this before. You know, you're kind of expected to win here. And, you know, I don't at know. At that time, yeah, at that time, they were winning that, that often. Yeah, and so, you know, I like to think about Missouri was kind of like, they're coming up, they were kind of this new thing, and, I, you know, I was going to go there and, in my mind, I was going to go there and do something that, that no one had been done before, which like, I ended up doing that. But something right. about the Michigan thing just kind of was like, I, it turned me off. And I and that's probably just how it was. And maybe I shouldn't have been turned off by that, but I was. Well, I think that, um, I think you're correct. And that's how Michigan was at the time. But I also think you're correct in the sense that, that that's not a bad thing. It's that's not, not a bad an thing. indictment on, it's not an indictment on Michigan's program. It's more just, something that you didn't gel with but other people were like yeah i want to go to a machine that's winning every year i want to be a part of i want to be a part of the machine i want to go to a school where they've been doing the dance and and you know been to the dance and seen the strings and i want to go to a place that's validated for success and then there's people that are not turned on by that they're turned on by this is where we're gonna go 
This is we need you to go do this. We want you here so that we can accomplish this. Yeah. And it's never been done before. And it's more kind of entrepreneurial, if you will, and it's like you're on the the frontier. And I was attracted to that. I can tell you were too. And some guys are not. Some guys are like, eh, I want to go to a place that's a little bit more established. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Um Okay, let's keep rolling. You got it? You got one for me? I got, I got a good one for you. When no, you I, go, you go. When I was at the University of Wisconsin, uh, one of the athletes oh there, funny enough, I, I believe I ended up later fighting this guy in, in mixed martial arts. I'm pretty sure this is who it was. You know, my, it, it's been 15 years, but I believe my memory is serving me correctly. He stole a fake ID from me that I was able to use till I was 20 and 9 months. <laughs> That's fantastic, right? I was only I was only seventeen at the time, so I got like almost three and a half years of use out of the, this fake ID. That's that, awesome. That's fantastic. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that. And I, funny enough, I got it stolen in Missouri. It was a Minnesota ID, and the idiot bouncer goes, "What's the capital of Minnesota?" And I said, "Minneapolis." And he says, "No, it's not." And I'm like, "Yeah, it is." And he's like, "Well, if you want your ID back, you can call the cops." I'm like, "Ugh." I hate you so much right now. <laughs> wow. I know, right? Ben Askren used a fake ID, and he's never drank before. That's well, awesome. I mean, you know, that's where everyone else was going, so i got to go, right? Right. I don't right, know to do everything they're doing, but... I'm right, gonna, I hear you. I'm not going to act like I didn't participate in any fun college activities. <laughs> um, let's see, what else do I got for you? Okay, you want to hear a funny story? This is not about me, and I'm not going to name names. That's a fair thing, right? Absolutely. Okay, here, this this one cracked me up. So this kid, I, I sent out a bunch of texts to a bunch of old friends and everything and said, give, give me your best recruiting story. And I appreciate this one. And it, it, I'm going to bring it up as a kind of a question um, to you after this, since neither of us are college coaches. We can talk about this. So the, this guy that was hosting was tasked with the recruit gets in trouble. And the coach said, keep this guy out of trouble. This guy's going to try to get in trouble. I got a good one for this (laughs) one. Okay. This guy says, so you tell your story and then we'll discuss it. So this guy says, okay. So they go over low-key, they chill at this other wrestler's house, and he said they all go to sleep. Well, the recruits, after all the wrestlers fell asleep, the recruit sneaks out of the house, finds his own party, and gets arrested. (laughs) <laughs> and, and the coach says you are never allowed to host an athlete again and the, the guy was like dude I fell asleep he was asleep what do you want me to do this guy's got issues so uh, alright okay go for it I got um, I, they have to be they have to remain nameless one was when I was like a senior at Ohio State so I was like I wasn't quite a recruiting host but I was involved at a lot of the dinners, and I was, like, the leader of the team. Sure. And we had a recruit in, and I was still on the team, but I kind of talked to the hosts as if I was a coach, and I said, listen, this kid is not a social butterfly. And although we don't want to hide the way that Ohio State is from him, please don't go out of your way to show him how fun it could be if you wanted <laughs> your social life to be your top priority. So, you know, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Yeah, of course. And I'm, and I'm, I'm saying, so just take it lightly. You know, obviously take him to a party or what have you, but don't stay out till four, perhaps go home at midnight before things get crazy, and we'll, I'll see you guys for breakfast or whatever. Well, I'm out with my friend that night. And so and you're, you're a senior right now. I'm a senior. I'm out with my friends that night, and the recruit went out with the host, and I just told the hosts who were freshmen, like, hey, you know, just kind of keep in mind this guy's not a crazy wild man, and don't make it so. And I walk into a party with my friends, and it's the house is packed to the gills, and there's a pool table in the middle of the family room as you walk in the house, and there's at least 300 people packed in the house, music's blaring, and the recruit is standing on a pool table with <sighs> the best look the best looking girl in the whole house. Yes. And she's dancing with him and his shirt is off and tied around his forehead. And I, when I walk in, 
he goes, Tommy, I'm going to Ohio State. <laughs> uh, yes. Sure enough, he comes to breakfast the next morning. He should have had sunglasses on. I don't think he showered or brushed his teeth. Oh, God. His parents were not happy with him, and he ended up <laughs> not going to No, Ohio. he didn't go? Oh, man. Okay, you, you reminded me of one. Uh, and then, the topic I want to discuss is how much do or do not coaches know what's going on in the, on the recruits' trips and how naive should they be? That's what I want to discuss. Right. One more story first. So... This at the University of Missouri. So I was hosting a party at my house for a bunch of the recruits, right? So everything's going fine. And all of a sudden, one of the guys on the team and this recruit show up. And it is – and this guy – the recruit is very shy. And it's so clear that this recruit is so ridiculously hammered, he doesn't know where he's at. And so I go to the other wrestler. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with him? Like, what's, go- what's going on? He's like, this dude just grabbed this whole bottle of vodka and started chugging. And I'm like, what do you, why'd you let him? Um, and he's like, because he's bigger than me. And I'm like, yeah, but you're on the team and he's a recruit. You don't let him do what he wants. And so, right. Tommy, this kid, and so this kid's like, he's like bizarre. All of a sudden, he starts wrestling bystanders at the party, you know, like non wrestlers, right? Right. And so right. I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, this is, this is not good. So that I, is a wrestling meathead gone wrong. You right? know what I mean? So, so I, I corral him into the basement. And I, I so I, I my room was in the basement, so I corral him into the basement, thing like, okay, I get, this guy's got to chill out. He's got to get, so he's got to sober up a little bit. And because right. uh, I'm, I'm always the sober voice of reason on the team, and so all of a sudden he starts making these weird sounds, like he's speaking in tongues and shit, and was acting <laughs> weird. I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, I gotta call the ambulance. I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen to this guy. This is not gonna be on my hands. I'm calling the ambulance, right? And so this, I so I think he was faking the whole time, because also I called nine one one. I think he thought I was playing, but I ain't messing with this. So I call nine one one. I'm like, hey, I need an ambulance. Here's my address, right? And all of a sudden, this dude starts acting sober, like nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? And uh, and the, the ambulance got there. He started acting so sober. They didn't take him anywhere. And then he starts, after the ambulance people leave, the paramedics left, he started crying. He goes, my parents are going to get a letter in the mail for the bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know whether his parents are, or they did or did not get that letter in the mail. But this kid, oh my goodness. <laughs> just, told, just like, ruined my party, ruined my damn night, acting like an idiot. Wow. I, uh... I got another good one. I had a, uh, this is when I was younger at Ohio State. I was probably a second year, you know, redshirt freshman or redshirt sophomore at the oldest. And I was still on my, you know, I, I hosted every weekend back, back in those days, yeah, my early college years. And, uh, we had a recruit in. He was a junior national champ, Ooh. not from Ohio. That's all I'll say. But yeah. he was big time recruit. And we wanted him really bad. And, but no, we didn't know him. And like nobody on the team knew him. The coaches, all they knew of him was their in-home visit. So there wasn't much of due diligence in terms of knowing who the person really truly is. And um, we get he comes in for the visit. You know, it's I think either the Thursday night or Friday. It started started off with dinner, and throughout the dinner, you know, the dad and the kid are like so arrogant about what he's going to do for whatever program he wrestles for. So he's like saying, you know, it doesn't matter what program I wrestle for. I'm going to win. I'm going to win four national titles. Mind you, Ben, this is before Kale won four. Was was this Kyle Dake? No, it was Was not Kyle Kyle Dake. No, it wasn't Kale. And I'm going to win four national titles no matter where I go. You know, um, I'll work harder than anybody on the team. Nobody's, Nobody works at the pace I work at back home. Like literally saying comments like this where it's like so bizarre because I'm just sitting here as a I'm a I'm a kid on the team. You know what I mean? And I'm like, this guy's a clown. Yeah. Like he's a he's a he's a clown. I already don't like him, right? So dinner ends and I'm like, I don't like this guy. You know what I mean? Of course. And well I'm but I I'm stuck with him. I gotta host him. I take him out, we get to a party, he's got a drink in his hand, and He's about halfway through his beer, and he's like, 
hey, has anybody got a cigarette? No. And oh, swear man. to God. Swear to God, I'm just like, no, man. No, man, I don't, I don't have one. Who smokes um, cigarettes still? Come on, Just bro. a clown. So anyways, he, he, was, he started for the whole night. He was bumming cigarettes off of random people that were that were at the party. And so the next morning at breakfast, you know, I'm like a 19, 20-year-old guy. I tell our coaches, I'm like, listen, this guy's a clown. He did X, Y, and Z. I really don't want it repeated, but I'm done with him. I'll, I'll host him the rest of the weekend, but you guys don't want him on our team. Dang. And um, so the coaches, when, when the visit ended, they called the dad up and said, hey, your son doesn't fit with our team's culture, and he's no longer going to uh, be recruited by us. The offer, it was a full-ride offer. The offer wow. dropped and uh, didn't recruit him. So this guy, as you know, his credentials in high school were tremendous. He went he went to another school. That's not to say he would have went to Ohio State, but I think he would have. Went to another school, flamed out within two years, and never amounted to anything. Surprise, wow. surprise. Wow, that's funny. That reminds me of, uh, okay, one more story. we we, we got to discuss what, what you think of the coaches part of this. Um, okay. One more story, though. So Coach Smith, I can tell all names in this one. This is not a big deal. So Coach Smith calls me. He says, hey, Ben, we got a recruit in town. Um, please come out to lunch with us. I said, all right, no problem. So I go up there, and I think this kid was a two- or three-time state champ in Minnesota. Pr- pretty tough kid, good program, right? But the dad and him are kind of knobs, like you said, right? <clears throat> and I'm younger. I think, Like I said, I think I'm a freshman sophomore, kind of same situation. And uh, we're sitting there eating lunch, talking, and I guess Coach Smith had made them an offer earlier, and it wasn't very good. Uh, you know, goal number. Well, the kid hadn't done anything at Nationals. You know, the, you know the deal. But he thought he was good. So he says, point blank. I'm sitting there with Coach Smith, and they're, they're sitting at the table. And said, well, if if uh, I don't even remember the damn kid's name. He didn't do good in college. If he comes in here and beats your 174, uh, then can you give him a full ride? And I obviously I start laughing at him because you know, I'm the 174, and then Coach Smith starts laughing also. He's, yeah, sure. If he can beat the 174, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> and then uh, I don't think he came to. I don't think he came to Missouri after that. I don't remember. I got. A, I got. A, I got another one. Um, and it's and it's a funny opposite story. But we were recruiting this guy, and um, I was again like a younger wrestler, but not. I wasn't a true freshman. I was like a little bit older than that, I think. And this guy we're recruiting was great and everybody thought he was great but he didn't wrestle year-round and he was very unapologetic about it yeah he didn't like freestyle didn't train in freestyle but he had great wins in folk style great folk style credentials within the traditional wrestling season so ohio state our coaching staff in my opinion went out on the limb and offered him 80 percent with that's a lot with some with somewhat of a um somewhat of a gamble because as good as he was he told us in the recruiting process i don't want to wrestle year round when i get to ohio state <laughs> like like he was like saying this stuff and Damn. and it's like I, I don't want to compete year round you know it's not what i do this that other thing and the coaches still offered him a good good chunk and there was other schools that were smaller than ohio state but still pretty good sure that offered him full rides. So it came down to, hey, uh, I want to come to Ohio State, but I want a full ride. If you can do that, I'm coming. If not, I'm going to go to these other places that are offering a full ride. Coaching staff decided not to do it. He went to a smaller school, and, you know, at the time you're thinking, good riddance, he won't be good anyway. You know, he yeah. goes to a smaller school, and he doesn't want to wrestle you around. He ended up being an animal. Oh God! You got you got to a total that. animal. Well, that's like, a, you right, can right, tell me who that is right away. That's a compliment. That? Yeah, let, let me guess. Tell me what year he graduated college. Um, he graduated college. Uh, I graduated in '04, so he had to have graduated at the latest '07 and def, either either '05, '06, okay. or '07. I, I can't really. Here's keep my calling. guess. We can say this guy's name because you said positive things about him. Uh, right, Jake Percival. That's exactly right. How Boom. He wasn't yeah, at the ball. So since we have his name out there, for the sake of 
storytelling. Yeah. I probably sensationalized and paraphrased his verbiage about wrestling no, around that, by about fine. 10 or 15%. It wasn't like, hey, I'm not going to wrestle year round. It's like, hey, you know, we were asking, are you going to wrestle year round? He's like, nah, that's not really what I do. You know what I mean? It yeah, wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like a social position that he took. It's just like, well, it's not really what I do. You know, it's kind of yeah. that type of tonality. And, the dude went to OU and was a killer. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. That's, it's funny how that works out sometimes, isn't it? And I love Jake. I'm, I've lo- I mean, he's, he's just a great guy. You know Jake personally. I, I don't know him. Obviously, I watched him wrestling. I think he was two years older than me, so I, I yeah, I watched him a lot. Obviously, the match I remember. Remember when he whooped Mike Zaddick's butt? At, uh, oh, my gosh. He was yeah. either a freshman or sophomore, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not that it always yeah. works out time, but there is something about that. In wrestling, and it's a, it's a positive and a negative. Obviously, in this case, it's a positive. That that kind of cowboy mentality, like this is what I'm going to do. I'm just tough as shit, and there's nothing you're going to do about it. Right, and you just that that is true. It's just hard to bet on it. It's hard you to bet I mean? on it. You're right. Yep. Because so, it doesn't always work out. Right. Okay, right. so let's so. get last thing. Let's talk. We told a lot of fun. That was some good stories. I still I got to ask yep. you who the junior national champ was. That's what I got to ask. Um, yeah, that's going to be off the record. Of course, of course, naturally. Um, man, I, I, I could, and I just tipped the iceberg on my stories. I could throw, I could throw a lot of people under the bus. Um, <laughs> so as a college coach, right? And we both, we both were, so we can, you know, we can have to speak from experience, but you know, some of the, and especially with the way the culture is right now in America, um, how much do you want to know what's going on in recruiting trips? Do you want to make sure they're staying totally legal? Do you care? Because um, we obviously you know college is a time where kids go do stupid shit. They have fun, and um, you know you hope they have some semblance of responsibility and don't act like total idiots. But um, you know what's the, what do you think the coach's role in that is? Well, I think overall, if I were a collegiate coach again, I'm not gonna have a no drinking policy on my team. Um, I'm I'm going to want to know and expect that the members of my team are responsible young men that um, conduct themselves in a way that is a reflection on them as people and the school and program they represent. That sounds kind of recruity, but that's the truth. Yeah. But no, the reality uh, is yeah. that the reality is that I want to know that that their goals as a wrestler guide their thoughts. So I believe that you can have four or five beers every now and again and still authentically and truly have being an NCAA champion at the forefront of your mind. But But if you're looking forward to what's going on on Friday and Saturday and you're making plans to do something fun on Thursday... And your girlfriend who's in a sorority is begging you to come yeah, to this happy issue. hour on Tuesday and you and you're gravitated to that type of scene and you can't avoid the the, the pull from the college life, I don't think it's in the cards for you. So but if but if you're like, Hey, I've been training hard and it's been three weeks since I've went out and hung out with my buddies till two in the morning, I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. I, I I kind of want to know that those guys, in a sick and twisted way, I like the guys that think like that. Yeah. Because I want people that want to do what they want yeah. as long as, you know, I want them to be men. No, that's, and that's I think a good that's, quality that's for the, what the men do. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. And I, I feel the same way, you know. I think, and I know Coach Smith was kind of this way, but I think, like you, kind of like you're saying, I want to know what that recruit's going to do without me putting too many boundaries on him. Because you're right. not going to get to have your finger on him the whole time while he's at college, right? He's gonna, he is going to make his own decisions there. So I don't want to have too many boundaries on the crew trip because I want to see the type of stupid decisions he makes on his own. And I know Coach, yeah, Smith, and if- when we came in, he wouldn't say, all right, give me all the details of what this guy did. But he'd say, he would ask the responsible guys, kind of like you sounded like you were to Ohio State, like, all right, should I keep recruiting him or should I not recruit him, right? Right. And then I'd say, oh, he was freaking awesome. Yeah, we want him or – that guy was an idiot. You want to think twice about that idiot. Right. It's like, I think my coaches, and they probably knew this about you, I think my coaches knew, hey, Tommy's not an angel per se on paper, but he wants to freaking win, and he's a responsible young man, and if he likes the people that we're putting in front of him as recruits, then then we must 
then then we should probably like them too in the sense of their social life balance. You know what I mean? And yeah. So you learn you learn about those guys when they come into your program, and then you make them hosts. To be honest, yeah, no, because I, you trust their opinions so much. You know, I they're like the they're way. like secret agents for you. Yep, I feel the same way. Hey, want to want a quick funny story? It's not even a recruiting story. Wrap it up, but you just made me think about something. Um, you good with the fun, a funny story to wrap it up? Absolutely. Okay, so I did a, um, you know, our team, general team rule was like. October was when you stopped going out totally. No, no one went out during season, and then um, you know after season, people could go out and have a good time. That was kind of generally the rule. But uh, right, dude, I was so I was so obsessed with wrestling and getting better, and it was just kind of how I grew up, just in a no party, no you know all business mentality. But after right. my after my junior year of college, so I went to NCAA, I won my Hodge, I went to the U.S. Open, and I I hurt my neck right. And, uh, and it was kind of continually hurting, and I was trying to wrestle through the trials. But uh, it was like May, and I heard it over and over again, and I, I lost, literally lost all the strength in my one arm. I mean, it was just pathetic. I, I couldn't do a 20-pound dumbbell bench press on my left side. And right. So the doctors are like, listen, you, you have to take time off. There's, there's no other heal for this. You just got to stop. So I stopped. My final exams were over, right? So I got nothing to do, Tommy. I, got, I, I can't wrestle. I can't lift. I can't do school. I can't do nothing. It's May, right? So I'm like, well, it's Wednesday night or Thursday night. I guess I'm going out. There's nothing else to do. So Tommy, right. for the first time in my college career, I go out on a weekday. So this is my first right. year in college. I've never been out on a weekday, but never been out on anything but a Friday or a Saturday. So it was like a Wednesday or Thursday. I go out and Tommy, I couldn't believe all the people out on a Wednesday or Thursday. And I'm thinking like, what are they doing? Like, it's like a Wednesday. Why are all these people out? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Crazy. That was kind of like, it took me four years to figure this out in college that, that college kids just party all the time, nonstop. Like, yeah. that was just like, it, it blew my mind. Like, It I, is amazing. Because you went to a big school. I went to a big school. Yeah. And there's something to do seven nights a week. You know the one thing that bothers me about college parties, social life in college, is that because, you know, you and I trained hard, and sure, I trained yeah. hard. And I woke up early in the morning to work out probably minimum four days a week, sometimes yeah. six days a week. I'd wake up in the morning to work out. So I was – my sleep schedule was very, very regimented, yep. 11, 11 p, like 10 p or 11 p to 6 a.m. every night. So when I decided to go out on a Friday or Saturday every now and again, when my friends would – Begin when they would commence socializing or you know having a couple of drinks at at like eleven p.m. It, I was beside myself. I was like, <laughs> why? Why is this? Why is this the the way that the college life goes? Why can't we begin the same thing that everybody wants to do at seven p.m.? Yeah. It's always blown my mind. It's always blown well, my I mind. Think, I, I would like, venture to guess, Tommy, that's because the most social people are the idiots who are slackers and they sleep until noon every day. Yeah, just, I it's guess, always looking, so, I can't believe we're starting this at eleven. I want to do agree. this. I want to hang out. It's always got to me. I agree. Um, okay, well, last funny thing because you mentioned it. This is I'm having fun <laughs> on this. I, we could talk for a while. I, there was one guy on my team. You said you know you said like having a beer every once in a while. So the rule on right. Missouri was no drinking during the season, right? That was the rule, and we all pretty much everybody stuck to it. I mean, I especially in my time, I really can't think of you know when it was violated. same here when I, when I when i was at ohio state we we had the same type of it wasn't a rule but it was like unset and nobody did anything with the exception of new year's eve people would let their hair down and i'm not talking about wildness I'm just yeah saying like you know, a, a token drink or two and that was it sure but we so we had this one guy this i'll wrap it up with it's kind of a stupid way to wrap it up but we had this one guy he was so indignant about his right to have a beer with dinner and he, you know, obviously he was, he was 21, he was older than me. But he was always like, yeah, I'm going to have a beer for dinner. I don't care for the season. I just want a beer with dinner. Just, just one. He wouldn't drink more. But when he was having dinner, he'd have one beer every time. <laughs> and he thought, it was, he thought it was his right. I'm just having a beer with dinner, guys. I'm, I'm 22. Why can't I have a beer with dinner? And we'd be like, you are such an idiot. Like, why do you need a beer? He's like, I... I'm 22. I can have a beer with my dinner, damn it. 
Such a moron. <laughs> and every uh, well, he might listen to this. He might he might shoot me a text and say you're an a, you're an a hole. But uh, it was like and I gotta all, find was, out who that is. All, it was hey, an all the time thing. This? What was he an NCAA All American? Uh, he was good. I want to say he was he was, he was rounded twelve twice. Got it. So, okay, so he was yeah. <laughs> he was pretty he was pretty good. Big twelve champ. <laughs> so I might have narrowed it awesome. down too much there, but. He was having a damn beer with his dinner. Just, not multiple, just one, just because he was 22 and he could. That's awesome. So, all right, Tommy, all right, I'm man, headed to Fargo I'm going to get over to another session with uh, Father Son Camp. All right, man, you guys have, you have a great day. Teach that kid some moves. All right, buddy. See ya. All right, see ya. You are listening to the T-Row and Funky Show brought to you by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built.